We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. This is St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. The St. Louis Chamber Chorus is performing a world premiere this weekend as it launches a new season. The work is titled On Friendship. It is the commissioned work of internationally renowned Latvian composer Eriks Eschenwaltz. He joins me in studio along with the chorus artistic director Philip Barnes. Eriks, welcome to St. Louis. Hello, hello. Thank you. Philip, good to see you again. Hello, Don. Well, let's, uh, let's get right to this. This is a commissioned piece. Commissioned, commissioned by the chorus. How and why? Uh, it's actually commissioned by, for us, <clears throat> by two friends of a former chorus member, wonderful friend of mine who's been um, singing in the choir for many years but is now retired, and her name is Alice Sherwood, and two friends, Alison Ferring and Nancy Kranzberg, uh, have supported this commission, uh, setting words by the prophet Khalil Gibran, on friendship, and we wanted to find a composer who really was uh, superior at setting uh, words for unaccompanied voices, and you don't really need to look any further than Eric Sessionveld. So I'm delighted and thrilled that he accepted the commission. Eric, this must be quite a challenge to take on something like this, particularly long distance. Well, my two flights were almost canceled, but somehow I managed, and instead of 14-hour trip, it took me 24 hours to get here. Uh, but it's a beautiful city. I'm in love with it. it. This is my first time, and this is a city of Sarah Teasdale. So far, I have, I have written 14 songs with her lyrics. I, I have tried also Emil Dickinson, but I still think I, ha I have to grow till the level of Dickinson, because she says two words and comma, three words, mm. full stop, where Sarah Teasdale just endlessly paints her painting. And that's what um, I'm looking forward, because music has to flow like a river. Well, how about the, the words of Cahil Gibran? Well, thanks to Philip. And, you know, uh, even I have graduated all the, my educational universities, but I'm still studying. And I, I do want to study the rest of my life. I go to library, I read a lot, and thanks to Philip, uh, who introduces me and suggests and I found it wonderful poem, and here we are. How, how challenging was it for you? I, I, I wanted to get some sense of, you're, you're still living in Latvia, I assume, uh, and you're working with people in St. Louis on this, on this commission. How, how difficult is that to do long distance? Well, uh, I always ask conductors to introduce me to their group. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I can feel them, I can look through their repertoire, so um, so that I wouldn't write too easy. I wouldn't write uh, like for contemporary music festival, like, you know, without tonality at all. Mm. Uh, and what kind of commission, who are the people who commissioned the piece? So in other words, there was years ago, a musicologist who listening, after listening to my music said, Eriks, you are composer chameleon. Composer chameleon. And I like that. Uh -huh. Because, and that's what I teach also my students because I'm professor at Music Academy in Riga, mm -hmm. teaching composition. And I said, please study all the techniques, all styles. So when when you are ready, 
uh, you receive a commission to write a piece, then you are ready. Uh, you see the empty canvas and on your palette you have all the colors. So you are prepared. Everything's there and ready to, ready to go. Yeah. Philip, how about on this end, working on this end on a, on a project like this? Well, I, my job is to really give a, a, a detailed brief of what we're looking for. So we'll work some time discussing a text. So we came up with the idea of Khalil Gibran because it's a sort of a poem, a series of words that are definitely spiritual in nature, but they're not explicitly religious. And we've got people of all and no faiths in this choir and in our audience. So we wanted something that would speak to everybody. Nobody would feel alienated. I hope that everybody hearing this has friends and is a friend to somebody else. And so they can all identify with the sentiments that Khalil Gibran identifies very eloquently. So the first thing is the text. And the second thing is to, as Eric said, give the composer an idea of what this choir is like, because all of these choirs are different, like automobiles are different. So you make things available to them. So we have quite a lot of our performances on YouTube. So, and we have made, you know, 14 CDs, I think. And so he's been able to hear some of that and then also look at the repertoire, see the sort of range of things we do. So hopefully before um, Eric's even started to write for us, he had an idea of what we are and certainly what we're not. Eric's, what is your impression of the, of the St. Louis course? You know, I have been traveling worldwide except Antarctica. Um, judging choral competitions, judging uh, composition competitions and festivals and attending premieres of my work. And um, I still think that the highest acrobatics in the choral performance is to have these two techniques, rubato and legato. And would, when you would you explain those for those who are not? So rubato is uh, flexibility to tempo. And to find the, and you have to adjust the tempo, so to phrase or diminu- uh, do the ritardando in a wonderful ensemble, so when everyone is breathing the same uh, story, and uh, and legato, allow your voice to bloom in the natural way, singing every phrase, every word, and uh, this choir has these qualities. If you. Look, if you're not really familiar with what we're trying to talk about, but I think everybody living around here has had the opportunity to drive through, let's say, rural Illinois, Mm. and they've seen fields of corn just waving in the wind Mm. all together, and there's a sort of beauty about that. That's kind of what we mean vocally, that the, the choir isn't rigid. It will go with the flow, and the flow is dictated by the composer. So Eric's has given us this amazing vehicle. You have not had a chance yet to work with the, the chorus here, but you will, I'm sure, over the next couple of days. How much control will you have over the way they perform? <laughs> it depends on Professor Philip. <laughs> How much will he allow me? Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, composers, when composers are still alive, you better ask composers, what would you suggest? How, mm. What did you mention on this page, on, on this uh, bar? Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm flexible. I'm very open, and I will listen carefully. Uh, I will not break. I will, I will not um, destroy their interpretation. But I might add 
the few suggestions I had in mind when composing this piece. Do you think that if this were performed by, let's say, five different choral groups, yes. that it would sound different in each case? Yes, and uh, technical. there are also technical limitations. If your choir is 16 singers, your choir is 30 singers, your choir is 100 singers. So the tempo might be, should be flexible, and also the, the venues where the piece is performed, is it, does it have a wonderful acoustics or is it very, very dry? So these are technical things which have to be taken into account. Well, the venue this time, this Sunday at 3 o'clock, I should point out, is at Christchurch Cathedral. Pretty well, wonderful venue. I was going to say, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a pretty nice one. You've, done, you've performed there before. Many times, yeah. yes. Yeah. It's, of a, it's sort of much of the building is in, the, uh, in an English architectural style, a bit of French thrown in. Mm. And uh, so much of our concert is uh, find, finding some great English pieces. So the, one of the main pieces is the Mass by Vaughan Williams, for two choirs. And so because I knew we were doing this big piece for two separate choruses, almost like in a dialogue with one another, that's why I then said to Eric's, when you write your piece, use the same resources, have, make your piece a conversation between two choirs. And so that's what we've done. How much do the acoustics change in a place like the, this church uh, when you've got a full house and not a full house? Well, that's a very, very good question. They can change enormously, yeah. and particularly in December, uh, when people's coats are lying around. Um, Absorbing sound. That's exactly what they are. They, they <laughs> absorb the sound, and so you can be in a building on a Saturday morning at a dress rehearsal, and of course it's freezing cold because they've not turned the heating on, and there's nobody there, and you get this beautiful bloom and sound to it, and then the next day you can't quite understand why you're not getting the same effect. It's because there are 500 people there wearing rather thick coats mm -hmm. and trying to warm their hands. And it's just uh, my job is to try and identify places that will be consistent or I can predict to the singers what to expect the next day so that they can adjust. And they are amazingly good singers. I mean, they're very flexible. That's the, one of the tests of a really professional choir. Eric's, it must be bothersome to a composer to have to deal with this. Of course, this is a premiere. Uh, yeah. On Friendship is a premiere, but that's not been played before. But others of your compositions, have you had that experience where the acoustics aren't what you would, uh, what you would want and what you feel are sufficient for what you've written? Um, the, only ta the only ask when I come to performers, I ask them, please be flexible. So I can step in with my suggestions. Let's, let's make this journey together. So far in my life, I have met two choirs who have, haven't been flexible. And I couldn't understand why they invited me. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe just for picture, and that's all. <laughs> but yeah, so only please be flexible. And, and yeah, so the answer about the venues, acoustics, I can't change it. So I, we, will, we, will, we will find the best for every acoustics. I think our non-musical expression is you go with the flow. I mean, That's it's right. pretty, much, pretty much what you have to do. You're a very young man, Eric. So. Well, I have four kids. <laughs> My oldest kid is already 18. Well, and the you, youngest well, is three. Well, then you look younger than you probably are. Oh, thank but, you. <laughs> but when did you get started in, in all of this? How old were you when music called? 
I remember that day. I was 10 years old in a chorus class uh, at children's music school. That was still Soviet time. Latvia was under the communist era. And um, there was a break, five-minute break. And I just, I was like kind of in a happy mood. And I just grabbed empty sheet of music paper. And I just wrote some casual notes and wrote lyrics under the notes, fa-la-la-la-la. And, and then another singer suggested, oh, go show this to the conductor. And the conductor played it on the piano. And of course, it didn't sound beautiful. And, but she said, mm, Eriks, maybe you should compose. And that word, compose, stuck in my mind because I hadn't thought about that. But then I started to think about it. And I came home and sat at my piano and I started to compose something. And at that time, Whitney Houston was a very popular singer. You know, she's still one of my top, top singers because her, there is such a freedom in her voice. She grew up in my hometown, by the way, so I know all about Whitney wow. Houston. Yeah. yeah, but go ahead. And uh, we couldn't buy her sheet music in Soviet Union, but we did saw her on TV and we heard her on radio and audio cassettes. So my main subject in children's music school was piano playing. So, and I, I was very good in the piano and I just learned to play her songs by listening. And I was surprised to figure out that her songs consisted of playing chords six, seven different chords, mm -hmm. F, D minor, B flat major, GM7. Those beautiful songs were created just with simple chords. And that was like the next step. Yes, I've, I, I learned this, the transitions and I used different tonalities. So I became to compose my own tunes without lyrics. But that was the beginning, age of 10, 11, thanks to Whitney Houston. We can uh, give our audience an opportunity to hear how well you learned all of these lessons, by the way, because we, ha we have uh, something that we can play. Philip, I'll ask you to describe this because I'm not sure I want to try to pronounce it. <laughs> well, <clears throat> this, is, uh, this actually doesn't feature Whitney Houston, but it does yeah. feature two uh, ethereal female singers with a choir as a backing. It's called O Salutaris Hostia, which is the Latin for... O victim that has given us salvation. So it's a piece that was originally used at communion services, but it's, I think, one of your most popular songs. If you look at his website, it's absolutely amazing. He's got numerous performances of his music daily. Wow. So I, on the same day that we're having the world premiere of On Friendship, this piece is being sung somewhere else in Europe. We'll put a link to that website of Eric's on uh, our website, but let's, let's listen to uh, what you've done.
The music of Eric, Eric's Eschenwals, it's beautiful. It's simply beautiful. There's, there's nothing quite like the, uh, the choral sound. I mean, it's just oh, it? uh, so... It's just so purity. Absolute purity. I, I, I was thinking here, it's, it's almost haunting, Eric's. Is that a word you would, uh, you would use or would you object to my use? That, that's haunting music? Well, I'm, I'm just happy to hear these words. But, you know, I, I have four kids. And even you, this you've morning... You've already mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> but even this morning, just uh, doing uh, the Skype with my family, I recognize that, okay, one kid has problem at school, another kid has this and this. That's daily life. That's daily job to be a father, a parent, and um, I don't have time to, to think about, about is my music good or bad. I just keep doing when I have time. And at the same time, on a daily basis, I am a driver for my children. Mm-hmm. Every morning, every afternoon. And when, I, when there is a silence at home in the evening, then I compose. With four kids, there's probably not too many evenings where it's very silent. <laughs> you know, uh, Philip, I <clears throat> was thinking as uh, Eric's was telling us his story uh, about growing up being exposed to music. I often think of this, and may, I'd like to get your reaction to it. What if he had never been exposed uh, to to music? What you know? What if the great pianists of the world had never been exposed to a piano? You know what? What would it be like? You know, just, it's really hard to imagine growing up with this talent that never got the chance to well, isn't blossom. That, isn't that the challenge of education and the, the challenge for all of us in our society is that people who with a, a, an unusual gift are given the means and, and the opportunity yeah. to explore that gift and to refine and hone it. And as you and I both know, I mean, I'm a, a school teacher as well, there are, for as many kids as we we identify and we encourage and we try to bring on there are others who don't get that opportunity it's mm. the it's the perennial challenge i think eric's have you ever thought mm. about what your life might have been like if at age 10 you had not had that that impulse to go into the musical world well i would i would be a medicine doctor yeah that's my second passion to help people to help people in with um, healthcare well, music helps people. You know, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. I, I don't want to digress too much, but I did an interview recently with a man who's written a book on the history of the heart. And uh, with all the advances that have been made these days in, in cardiology and, and techniques, he said the most effective thing of all is just emotion, pulled back, relax, yoga, music, just listen to that, and that does you more more good than uh, anything else you can think of. So you are, perhaps, in oh, thank filling you. that role. It, yeah. it wasn't easy to find my call in life. It took me two years. First, I thought to be a psychologist, then to be a pastor. And in age of 19, I only find my place at Music Academy in Riga, Latvia, and there Months later, I found myself to be happy, and finally I had a feeling, yeah, that's my call in life. Now, Philip has indicated how prolific you are. How many pieces have you written in your young life? So far, about 100. Hmm. Not much. Not much. But some of these are 40 minutes long. 
to give you an idea. Yeah. I mean, some of them are <clears throat> a few minutes and some of them are symphonic. Two operas. So that well, counts as two pieces for him. Right. He would be too modest, I'm sure, to, to say this, but if you can tell us, uh, th this man has been acknowledged all over the world for his, uh, for his abilities. Tell us a little of that that you know. Well, I don't think that many people can be that wrong. Mm. Um, it is gratifying uh, to see just when you think you've explored nearly all the choral repertoire. It's fascinating and it's gratifying to find composers of the caliber of Eric's who are able to take words that are maybe familiar to you from other settings and give a totally new slant take on it. Uh, even very familiar words. I'm a great fan of several of his pieces that I've sung, my, I've sung those words myself in many different versions, but he brings something new to the table without it being so weird and alienating that I just think it's a, a you know, a, a distraction. So I am clearly not alone mm -hmm. because, as I said, there are so many people who, are like me, are enjoying and discovering and relishing the music of this rather humble man next to me. Eric, has it been difficult for you? Is it an easy process for you or difficult? It's, composing is very hard. And um, four years ago, we finished our new house in complete countryside. And when the f neighbors found out that I'm, I was a composer, they said, and when you compose, open your window so we can hear <laughs> your music. And, was, and then I answered, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, every bar in my music has been polished 100 times, just playing chord transitions. It's a very, very dirty job. And I don't want to share this process of polishing music with anyone. It, well, it certainly comes out well, all, all that I've That's heard right. anyway. And folks will have a chance on Sunday at 3 at Christchurch Cathedral. Right. Uh, before we go, we've got about a minute left. What else is on your agenda for the season? Well, in November, we are going to perform a piece in praise of beer. Uh -huh. uh, we're going to sing at the Schlafly Tap Room. Uh, we've done that a couple of times before. It's always rather popular. Uh, <clears throat> Christmas, we're going to concentrate on music from Ireland. We'll do that in, in St. James the Greater in Dogtown, which is always oh, a yeah. traditional Irish uh, congregation. And around Valentine's Day, we've got a program all about love. Uh, in the middle of April, we have a concert for Passion Sunday. We're doing a very unusual piece rediscovered from the, around the time of the Russian Revolution, uh, a piece on the passion, and then we finish the year with a whole program at the end of May about hope. So good, a good a good way to the end. whole the whole season is called states of being. So it's all trying to find music that explores these different human experiences. Right. Well, we'll put a link to your website on ours so folks can uh, can see all of that if they didn't get it all down. Congratulations to you, by the way. This is your thirtieth year. It is. <laughs> Doesn't time fly? When it you're does. When you, when you think you're only going to do it for two years, it's a bit of a shock to find you've been doing it 30. I want to thank you both so much for being with us. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.